Hello and good morning. Uh, my name is Opamipo Akisaya and I am a member here at Woolwich Community Church. Um, it's a beautiful day to be alive and I just want to welcome old and new faces to um, who are fellowship with us today. Today I'm going to be speaking on God and his love for humanity and I will be relying on notes. I mean, I'm, I'm more of a, <laughs> I've never done this before so I'm going to be able to rely on notes. Um, so if you see me looking to the side or down, I'm not, I'm not being rude or ignoring you. Um, what I wanted to do is um, talk you through what my plan is for today and go into prayer before going into the Word. So I couldn't find a snappy title for my for my preach, so what I decided to do was just give you a sentence and a question. So the, 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 the title of the preach is, Did Jesus Have to Die? And the subtitle, if you may, is Who Am I? And this is taken from the book of Psalms, Psalms 8 in particular. And, and the, the, the um, verse says, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And the reason why I've chosen this is because um, as Christians, those of us that have been long Christians for a while or those that are just new, it's very easy to become um, just self-centered as to, yeah, God loves me and that's it. And that, I mean, that matters. That's the central. That's the center of everything we say. But I think sometimes it's what I've what I've spent my time doing during this um, lockdown period, especially at the start, was that I I spent it reflecting a lot on 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 um, my work with God and my relationship with Him. Not in a navel gazing way as to who am I or I need to find myself. I don't mean that, and I, I I'm not disrespect. I'm not. I don't mean to be flippant about that, but in a sense, actually, that. Who am I in Christ? Who am I in God? And I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, so what I want to do now is I'm going to start um, um, by, by saying that there is no way to do justice to this topic I'm actually I'm speaking on, these two broad topics I'm speaking on. So I'm just going to try. But um, to help me, actually, is, 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 it's going to be important for me to pray first. And I just want, to, I just want us to pray quickly. Um, Heavenly Father, I just pray for your words. I pray that your word flows out of me today. I pray that your people receive it. And I pray, Lord, that I open my heart and they open their hearts as well to receive your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, Lord, as we wrestle with your word, as we listen to your word, as we imbibe it, as we eat of it, and as we drink of it. Lord, let us be full and, and, and be ready to go um, in the world now, now and forevermore. Amen. So, yes. Um, like I said, the title was taken from Psalm, Psalm 8, the, the Who Am I part of it. But I think the overriding part of, of, of my, the overriding verse for this preach, I, the first part of it, did Jesus have to die, is John 3.16. And it's probably one of the most famous um, um, verses in the Bible, but it's also one that actually that maybe we, we should pay more attention to than we do. Or maybe I should, I've, I've been paying more attention to that than I typically do. And everyone knows that this is from the New International Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I'm going to read that again and read it quite slowly. I have a tendency to speak fast, so bear with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This verse is very familiar to many of us. Um, for most Christians, this is probably the first thing you know, and this is what you recite very often, and most of us can recite it in our sleep almost. Um, 
but there are three things I want to do um, um, today. Um, but before I do that, I just want to tell you how I came to this topic. So, one thing I found, and I've spoken to a lot of people in, in the church, is that prior to lockdown, life is just busy. Everyone is go, 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 go. And to an extent, actually, life is becoming that way again now that I've settled into lockdown and work is sort of picked up. But one thing I found actually is that I, I was having such little time actually reading my Bible and actually studying the Word. And as someone that enjoys apologetics, um, it's been quite difficult actually for years just not be able to have the time to actually read the Bible. So the lockdown has been good in that respect. I do understand obviously that it's not been great for everyone and there are parts of it that are not actually great for me either, including um, getting symptoms of coronavirus. But I think in terms of timing, I've had more time on my hands, especially in the earlier parts of the lockdown, to actually just dig a bit deeper into the Word. And what I, I, I plan to do today and speak about today are, are, are topics that I have been thinking about, actually, during the lockdown. And there are three things I want to say during this, this, this old preach. The first is, why did God choose to save us? Um, and I think that's something that is very fundamental as a question. Um, the second actually is looking at why it had to be Christ, why it had to be Jesus Christ of Nazareth that came to die for our sins, and why no one else? Why wasn't it me? Why wasn't you? Why wasn't it someone else? Just like there were so many options before Christ died of God that God could have chosen to save the world, but none of them fit fit the bill. Um, and I'll say more about that later on. And I think the third point is. What should our response be then to the death of Christ and the love of God through the death of Christ? So going on to my to the first point, um, why did just why did God choose to save us? And to help me with that, what I want to do is get us to read Genesis twenty-two um, verses one and two. So I'll just read it directly from my Bible. I'm reading from the New International Version, and And it says, some, this is, this is, this is um, the test of Abraham. It's a story many of us are very familiar with. So I'm just going to read two chapters from it. And it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. And again, we, we know how this story goes on. Abraham takes Isaac to, to the mountain. He, he tries to sacrifice him and on and on and on. So why have I chosen that? I, I've said this because I think the story of, of, of Abraham and Isaac, is, it's a mirror image, obviously, of, of, of the story of God and, and, and his sacrifice um, in Jesus Christ. Obviously, in the case of Isaac, God comes to the rescue. Um, and that's something I've, I've always thought about, for instance, like, why did God choose to save us? Why, like, another way of thinking about this, actually, is if uh, there's, a, there's a typical question many of us think about whether we are Christians or non-Christians, and the question tends to be, if God is good, why is there so much evil in the world? I mean, a perfect example, for instance, is 
we are in unprecedented times, and I know that's become a cliche now to say that, but it's really true that we are in a time where it happens only once in a century. Um, we are having um, the plague, the, the coronavirus, the rona, whatever you want to call it. We are having something that doesn't happen very often, and it's pretty scary, and it feels evil. That Well, it doesn't just feel evil. It is There is a lot of evil that's come out of it because a lot of deaths have, have occurred from it. And it's quite painful for most people, um, especially at this time. And, and having gone through a version or about a, a milder version of it, I know how difficult it felt for me and how scary it was when I passed it on to my wife, for instance, who is pregnant, and how scared I was that I might potentially cause the loss, loss of my baby. And that's quite, that's quite an emotional and emotive topic to think about. But how much more those have actually lost their loved ones? There are people who have lost more than just one loved one, more than just one person in their family, and and it's heartbreaking to see that. So it feels particularly difficult. And there are people that are asking the question today, actually, that how can a loving God allow such a thing to happen? And I'm not going to spend today answering that question. I, I do have responses for the question. It might, it's not necessarily satisfactory, but that's not the point of today. But I think a flip of the question is this. Um, if there's so much evil in the world, quite a lot which are also caused by humans, for instance, war, slavery, colonialism, um, rape, sexual abuse, like on and on and on. We can name so much evil that is in the world committed by man why does God choose to save us and I think that's the question actually that has been weighing heavily on my mind um, there's a famous um, 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 super, well, super villain in, in Marvel comics The Avengers and he's called Thanos I, I'm hoping I've pronounced it very well Thanos um, and in in, in in the in the Avengers, one of the things, one of the famous scenes of what he does is is to snap his fingers, and half of the population of the world automatically dissipates, disappears. And that got me thinking when I saw that, like, why didn't God choose to just snap his fingers and essentially reset or restart humans all over again? And the youth and I have had this conversation a couple of times as to if I, for instance, if I created something. And it isn't working. I might try to repair it. I might give it a couple of chances, but I won't keep giving it chances over and over again. I will just scrap it and do something else, or, or, or start something new. So why does God choose to save us? And that's the I think that for me is the central part of this particular um, preach: um, the love of God for humanity that He chooses, irrespective of our redeemable qualities, He chooses to save us. I think that's something that we need to think about more often even as Christians, because we are not beyond sin as Christians. And and I think I've never quite understood why God hasn't snapped his fingers, essentially, is, is what is what I, I'm saying. I'm getting to understand it now and better, because, I mean, obviously, if he, done that, if he had done that, I wouldn't be alive. Um, and when, I, when we think of this, and when we, when, we, when we come to the realization, actually, that the death of Christ was God's love for us, it makes you understand actually that it was more than just a mere historical event. It was it was a, it was a seismic shift in the world as it stands today. And 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 yes, there's an historical context of the reality of Christ dying and resurrecting. But much more than that, actually, is what God imputed into the world by actually putting His love into us through the person of Christ. 
through choosing Christ to save our souls and our lives. And let's not be distracted for a minute, actually, by the divinity of Christ. I don't. I do not. I'm not by any means suggesting that the 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 divine nature of Christ is unimportant. That's not what I'm saying now. But what I'm what I'm suggesting actually is that much more than just thinking about the divinity of Christ, the miracles he did, and everything else, those are great things and they're important. I want us to actually think about the humanity of Christ. Um, and the reason why I think of, and, and the reason why I say that actually is that it's very central to our understanding of God's love for us and our understanding of why God asked us to love other people as ourselves. And I think one story that brings that to light is in Luke. And I'm just going to ask us to turn to Luke 7, um, verses 14 to to 16. And this is the story, again, some people might be well familiar with this, but I'll just read a snapshot of this. And and just to give a bit of background, this is the story of the woman whose son... um, had died. So she was, she was a widow um, and she had lost the son and she was really desperate. Um, and again, um, not to bring up open wounds, but people that have lost people um, during these times can relate to probably some of this feeling that the, the, the lady must have felt, um, losing our only son in this particular case now. And again, remember that theme as well of the only son. Abraham, Isaac's only, um, Abraham had Isaac, which was his only son. Now, obviously, there was Ishmael, but his only son from Sarah. The widow is as well. There's a story about our only son passing away. Again, I want us to just think about the threads. And again, before before when I was preparing for this preach, I didn't actually think about this. I just thought about this just now, or, or, or the Spirit of God was just reminding me actually just now um, as to how precious Jesus was. For God to actually let him go, I think that's that, that, that that's impressive. But I I don't want to digress too far. Um, and I want us to go, and I just want to go quickly to the story of the widow. This is Luke seven, and I'll read from verse eleven to sixteen. And it says, soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town, a dead person was carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood up. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. His mother. They were all filled in awe and, praise, and praised God. A prophet has appeared amongst us, they said. God has come to help his people. I think there are two things I just want to draw out from this, that particular um, um, message in, 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 in this story. One is actually... When, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Um, and the reason why I point out to the humanity of Christ is actually sometimes we focus so much on the miracles that God did. And we forget sometimes actually how much, how important we are to God. How important actually he cares about us. Not in some, some, some unreal way, not in some distant way. God genuinely cares about you. And if you're, if you're listening to me right now, 
and you feel alone, you feel broken. Um, I've been there, um, and it, I might not have experienced what you felt. And I, it doesn't have to be a case of whether I've felt the same thing as you have. The, the God of the world has felt your pain. He said, the, the Bible says his heart went out to her. And I think that's just amazing. Um, and I think I want to draw to verse 16 as well, so which is the second point. The people said, God has come to help his people. And I think for me, those, those two, two touch points in this story reminds me actually as to how God is not just someone we cry to, we so distance from us, that can't hear us. He isn't just someone who um, is all-knowing and awesome, which he is, that can't see us, that doesn't care for us. God cares enough for us to send his only begotten son for our sake. Again, going back to John 3, 16. And I think that's one message I think I should I should I should point out that in spite of what you might be feeling, in spite of the hunger you felt, like I felt very angry about um, the racism in the world. I felt very angry about the sexism and the and the abuse of, of children of women of, of of human beings, fellow human beings. Um, I felt very angry about wars, about pain. All of these things that we all as human beings and we all as Christians, um, our hearts are meant to burn out for. I felt angry about it, but I'm also reminded actually that the God of the world, the God that created the heaven and the earth, cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about all of us. So who am I? The question to that, who am I, is actually, I'm someone who God cares about. Um, And I don't want to label that point too much, but I think it's such an important point for me to emphasize. God cares about you. Um, And he cares enough actually about you to feel your pain. And I think that's that's the that's the message from this story. Yeah? Um, and I'm always thinking, actually, if, if Jesus were in the world today, he probably would be amongst those that are oppressed. He probably would be amongst those that are actually suffer, suffering pain and 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 the, and the force of oppression. And and I'm not just making up this story. The evidence for that is very clear for us to see. The evidence is clear from the fact that actually God chose. Um, the the, um, the the Jewish people as the source of who he brings his son into the world to save the rest of the world. At the time, the Jewish people were under oppression from the Romans. Um, and, and it's amazing that God could have chosen any other group of people. He could have chosen a Roman to come into the world. That would have been far easier, I think. It would have been far easier for him to bring in um, someone who was privileged, who could rule, as, as everyone was expecting with maybe an iron feast and, and could declare and decree and that was it and it was done. But God chose actually the oppressed to save the world. That's 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 a mind-blowing uh, um, um, piece of, of theology that I, I don't even have the mind space to actually explore right now. But I think it's just worth thinking about actually that wherever you are, Whoever, whoever you are, no matter how little you think of yourself, God loves you and cares for you. That means actually you thinking about yourself little is actually underselling who you are. God cares about you enough that wherever you are, whatever space you are, there is someone actually that needs to be reached by you wherever it is that you are. So it's no coincidence, for instance, that God chose Jesus to be a Jew at a time of massive oppression for the Jews. So the question again of one eye that God should be mindful of me. The, the answer is very clear. I, I think it's clear in John three sixteen um, to to read that those words again. That for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever shall believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And that's who we are. 
we are we are the people that God cares so much about that He gives away something so precious to Himself to save us. And I will say that again: we are the people that God cares so much about. And I'm, when I say people, I don't mean Christians. I mean every one of us, every one of us, believers and non-believers. We are people that God cares about so much that He gave away His only begotten Son to save us. And I think it's so important to think about the impact of that. And the clear answer to that, to, to, to what we are, the, the, the clear answer to that is in the story of, of, of Abraham and Isaac. And if we go back to Genesis 22 again, and I'll just read a snapshot. So we know, obviously, God told Abraham to, to sacrifice Isaac as a test of, of Abraham's faith. Abraham obeys, takes Isaac to, 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 to Mount Moriah to sacrifice Isaac. And it was a very interesting exchange between Isaac and Abraham that I think it just answers the question of who we are and what, what God is trying to do in the history of the Bible, in the lineage of the, in, in the, lineage of the Bible. And in, 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 so in Genesis 22, and this is, this is from, from verse 8 now, or verse 7, forgive me. Isaac says, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here. Isaac said, well, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? So Isaac, at this point, wasn't aware that actually he was meant to be the burnt offering. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here. Isaac said again, um, well, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And, and the, the answer to the question of who we are and, and does God care about us was answered many hundreds of years after this incident between Isaac and Abraham. God did provide. God provided by providing his son. In the story of, of Abraham and Isaac, there was a lamb that was that suddenly appeared through the bushes. Obviously, the lamb was a metaphor for Jesus appearing many years later as to the question of who we are in Christ is those that Christ has come to save. Christ, as, as a sacrificial lamb, appeared through the virgin birth. It was a sudden appearance. Mary wasn't expecting it. So like the lamb that appeared suddenly in the bushes to Abraham, Christ appeared suddenly to come and save us. And that's ultimately what this story is about. That Christ coming into the world tells and gives us our identity, gives us the answer to the question of who we are. Um, and I, I want to read an excerpt. So, like I said to you earlier on, I've been, I've been trying to dig a bit deeper into the Bible during this lockdown. And there's a book I've been, I've been reading very much in bits. It's called The Problem of Pain, and it's by C.S. Lewis. Um, many of you might have heard about it. And there's an excerpt in it, in this particular book, that I found really, really interesting as to God's love for us. I, I like it because it's quite raw in explaining what God is, or what God's love is for us. And it doesn't sugarcoat it. Um, you know, it's very easy for us to be seen as kumbaya Christians. Let's all just get along and all that stuff. But I think what, what's beautiful about this is, and I'll just read it out. When Christianity says God loves man, it means that God loves man. 
not that he has some disinterested yes he, he has some disinterested because really indifferent concern for our welfare but that in awful and surprising truth we are the objects of his love you ask for a loving god you have one the great spirit you so lightly invoked the lord of terrible aspect is present not a senile benevolence or benevolence that drowsily wishes you to be happy in your own way not a cold philanthropy of a conscientious magistrate nor the care of a host who feels responsible for the comfort of his guests but a consuming fire himself the love that made the world persistent as the artist's love for work and despotic as a man's love for a dog provident and venerable as a father's love for a child jealous inexorable exacting as love between the sexes and i i just think this 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 description is just imperfectly perfect as an expression of god's love for us in just many ways it's a reminder actually um that God's love for us can be displayed in different ways. We as human beings actually love each other and love things. And sometimes there's a call for us as Christians to love others as ourselves. There's a, there, there's a, there's, there, there is a streak I see sometimes in, Christ, in Christianity where we, we start to love things and we start to love policies and we start to love things that further our agenda past actually loving a fellow human being. And I think that's come to the fore, for instance, in the recent protests, whether it's in the Black Lives Matter protests, whether it's in the protests against those that are feeling oppressed, um, whether it's the protests against um, um, or, or of sexism and, and, and gender bias, for instance, we are called to remember to love each other as we love ourselves, um, and that's the that's 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 the that's the challenge for us. Um, in asking the question as to God's love, one thing springs again to mind, and that's. If God could have asked anyone to do it, why didn't he just provide, for instance, why didn't he use Isaac as an option? Um, but no one else was up to the job. I think that's that's the clarity of this, that no one else was up to the job. And I love so much the passage in John 10, verse 17 to 18. And I'll just read out a quick excerpt of it, um, but also from the New International Version. It says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Jesus, Jesus speaking. And I'll start, I'll read that again. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. And I think for me, this is such a pivotal speech by, by, by Jesus talking about how no one else could have done this. No one else had the right to do it unless God has asked them to do it. And I always think about the fact that no one else could have done this but Jesus because no one was without sin. I am not without sin. None of you, you are not without sin. None of us are. It's the cleansing blood of Jesus that makes us sinless. Not our own might or our own strength and i've given this analogy several times and my wife will be bored of bearing this when, when she hears me say this um we, every time you do something good 
you are doing something that God has instructed you. God has designed you to do. So our, our design, our, our, our modus operandi, if you want to, if you want to um, go a bit Latin, is to to do good. That's what God has designed us to do. God created human humanity, and and He says He was pleased with us. This is good. That's what that's what Genesis tells us in the Bible. So every time we do something bad and we, we try to do something good in return. We can't make up for the lost time. We can't make up for the bad times. There's no extra time. And that's why it's very flawed to weigh up the good things you've done and the bad things and think that's how you're going to make it into heaven. I think it's such a flawed ideology. Um, in the same way, actually, there's nothing we can do to make up for the, for, the, for the lost time. So if we are all sinners, then we cannot be spotless to sacrifice for the world. Only Christ, who is without sin, could have done that. And that goes to his divinity now. So we leave his humanity to his divinity. He's the only one without sin. And that's why he could be the one that dies for our sins. And why is that important for us? I think it's important to remember, actually, that the sacrifice of God wasn't just done mindlessly. It wasn't just a despotic God sending his his son out to sacrifice. It wasn't God killing Christ out of bloodlust. That wasn't the point. The, 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 The giving of of his beloved son was a, was an act of love was a self-sacrifice that God did because obviously we believe God is the Trinity is the triune God so God in human flesh God in Christ sacrificed himself for the sake of human humanity and what what actually trips me up about that what scares me about that actually is God was taking a I mean it's, it's weird to say this but it felt like God was taking a gamble almost what if no one in the world not not if any of us decided to reject what if all of us decided to reject Christ God would have sacrificed his son for no reason but obviously God knowing the beginning from the ending knows that we that there, is, there is redemption for us and I think that's the beauty of, 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 of Christianity that whilst we're yet sinners Christ died for us whilst we're yet sinners whilst there was no guarantee we would accept Christ as our Lord and personal Savior he died for us regardless of what our response to his death was. And that's love like no other. And going on to my third point now is what is our response? What is our response to the, to the love of Christ? What is our response to the fact that God loves us so much? What's our response to the fact that we know who we are in Christ? What should be our response as Christians to the world, to a world that is hurting today, to the world that actually has probably turned back from, from, from things that we consider as important as Christian values to a world that's questioning actually the church because it's very easy to actually look at the world and say, okay, yeah, um, people have rejected Christianity. But actually there's a lot of questions for we as Christians that we need to answer. There's a lot of questions that we need to stand up to answer. And, and the Bible tells us that we need to be the light of the world. And that means actually we need to actually fight for justice passionately as we fight for, for, for any any other thing. Because God cares about justice. God cares about humanity. And when I, say, when I mean we need to fight for justice, we, I mean we cannot be the light and pretend to be reflections. I'm going to say that again. We have to be the light. We cannot pretend to be reflections. And by bringing the light, we have to stand up and stand up and be seen. You don't have a light that hides. The Bible says you don't hide the light under a bushel. We are meant to be. We're meant to brighten up the world. We are meant to bring about joy, peace to the world, and that can be difficult when we are in our own personal situation. That can be very difficult when sometimes we might feel persecuted. But we are called to be the light, not reflections. 
And I want to end um, on, 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 on these two verses in terms of what should our response be. The first I'm going to take from John 16 and the second I'll be looking at John 17. And in John 16, um, bear with me as I open it. So this is John 16, verse 5 to 11. Right. Sorry, forgive me. Yeah, John 16, verse 5 to 11, forgive me. This was Jesus. Um, this was towards the end of Jesus's time on earth, and he was speaking to the disciples. And he says, "Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where am I going, or where are you going? Forgive me. Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth: it is for your good, and I am going away. Unless I go, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you." When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father. Where you can no longer see me. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Um, I think the response then to the death of Christ for us as Christians is to listen to what is saying in this particular verse, verses, which is asking the Holy Spirit, inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives. And for people that are Christians already, that can seem such an obvious answer. But I think it's very important. I, I don't know about you, sometimes I I treat the Holy Spirit like it's the third wheel. Um, and I think that's the challenge I've had throughout this time. The Holy Spirit is no third wheel. The Holy Spirit is an equal partner in the Trinity of of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's important, actually, that we, re- we realize what to, not to, actually, we realize what power we have in the Holy Spirit. And I think that's one prayer I want us to, that's one takeaway assignment, homework, that we need to do. Requesting that the Holy Spirit challenges us. Requesting that the Holy Spirit is front and center of our minds in our day-to-day lives. The second, the second um, verse I was going to read um, is John 17. John 17 I love so much because this is the longest prayer that Jesus gave in the Bible. Um, and I would, I would beseech you, if I'm going to go um, old school um, um, English words, I would, I would implore you, I would, I would ask you, I would beg you to read this particular chapter, John, John 17. I think it's a beautiful chapter coming from the Lord and Savior himself. And John 17, verse 3, is what I want to draw your attention to. It says, Now this is eternal life, and that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I think the, the, the beauty and the, 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 of this particular words I've just read is that it answers directly that question, why did Christ have to die for us? The point of why Christ had to die for us is that we might receive him. The, cross, the point of why Christ had to die for us is that actually that the world might be renewed stream, that we might get and attain eternal life. And in our attainment of eternal life, we don't forget about the world we are in today because God is a God of justice, is a God of peace, is a God of, 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 of love. And through his love, we are meant to shine the light of love to everyone else around us. Um, 
And that's the answer to the question, who am I that he should be mindful of us? We are the light of the world. We are those that God has loved enough to send his beloved son. And that's enough for us. That's enough for who we are. Nothing anything else. Nothing any other distractions that we might have. We are enough in Christ. You are enough in Christ. I think that's the point of this message. If it's been, been a bit disjointed, the point of it is actually you are enough in Christ. And I just I just want to end end by praying for us. Um, I hope this has this has touched your life or has been meaningful, has made you question or has made you want to actually go back into the world and and read the world again because there's no point me speaking to you if you don't do the, the work yourself. I, the, the, the challenge for all of us actually is to go back to the world and actually read for it ourselves and find out actually what God is saying through his word. Um, the Bible is a living word and I truly, truly believe that. Um, that that God speaks to us, spoke to us and still speaking to us through his word that has already been laid down. There is a lot of of, of good juice, a lot of wonderful stuff in God's word that we, by just sitting down and spending time with him, can get out of it. So I just want to end up by, by praying this. Father Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for our sins. Lord, we are grateful, Lord. We pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit continues to walk in our hearts, Lord. We pray, Father Lord, that we'll be the light of the world. We pray, Father, that wherever there's darkness will be a light. We pray, Father, Lord, just wherever there's pain will bring comfort, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, Lord, we pray, Lord, wherever there's despair will bring your joy, will bring your word. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Be with us now and forevermore. Amen. For the goodness of God, for, for, the, for the goodness of God shall be with all of us as we go into the week in the name of Jesus. May the Holy Spirit be with you and keep you. Um, God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week and God bless.